So our epistle this morning. Is my mic on, Bobby? So our epistle this morning is from Romans 13, beginning at verse 8. Paul writes, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I want to break that down just a little bit this morning. There's more to the uh, epistle, and we'll get to that later. But this first part about love for one another is key to who we are as the body of Christ. See, Paul wants us to know that all of the commandments in the law that tell us what not to do, all the things God says we are not to do to one another, all those sinful, hateful things, those things can be done away with and the law of God will be fulfilled if we will just do one thing. And that's love our neighbor as ourselves. If we will just love one another, we will fulfill the letter of the law and the intent of the law. And all it takes is just one thing. Seems like a simple thing, doesn't it? But it's not so easy, is it? Why? Because, well, people are people. Some things people do are just downright unlovable. That's the reality of it, isn't it? But still, Paul tell us, tells us here that love is enough. Love is sufficient. Why is that? Well, it's because God himself is love. God is love and God is our all in all. So if God is enough, if he's our all in all, if God is sufficient and God is love, then love has to be enough. It's logical. That makes sense. Love is enough. Love is sufficient in and of itself. And when you think about it, if we would just love, then everything would indeed be right with the world. Because love is incapable of hurting another person. If we love, we can't take someone else's property because love just doesn't do that. If we love, we can't be jealous or envious of another's success because love just doesn't do that. 
we love, we can't think unkind thoughts about another. Well, because love just doesn't do that. It occurs to me that the message of the gospel is just not all that complicated. When we boil it down to the very essential, that basic element of love. Anything bad that we can conceive of doing in our own human hearts, our own human weakness, if we will just replace that with love, then doing anything bad is inconceivable. And so with Paul's urging us to love one another, He brings also in this chapter, in the verses that follow, in verse 14, an appeal, an urgent appeal to us as the church. He says, besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. very appropriate I think have you been just bone tired these past couple of weeks emotionally physically just spent I know I have but now is the time to wake up Paul says for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To gratify its desires. Why is loving one another and fulfilling the law of God so important now in this day and this time that we are in? Why is this message that Paul presents to us here urgent? Something for us not to put off for another day, but to embrace right here and right now. Well, it's because Paul says we are closer to the second coming of Christ than ever before. That's what he means when he says for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. Every tick of the clock, we're closer to the return of Jesus. His return is imminent. And so we need to be prepared. He says a new day is about to dawn and Christ is about to be fully revealed in all his magnificence and glory. What was promised to us as believers when we first accepted Christ is about to become our present reality. Think about that. 
when you became a believer, there were certain promises that the Bible, the word of God told you would be the result of that decision. And one of them was a future with Christ as king, a future with Christ as glory, as ruler over everything. And Paul says that promise is about to be revealed to you in its fullness. And so he says we need to stop slumbering our lives away with our heads stuck in the prevailing culture of darkness that so permeates the world. It's time to wake up, sleepwalker. It's time to pay attention to the ordinances of God, the commandments of God, the processes and traditions and things that have been put in place over centuries as we have worshipped and learned who God is and who we are in him. It's time to stop being self-centered and start being Christ-centered. It's time to preach what we believe and to live like we believe what we preach. That's two sides of the same coin, isn't it? We can preach the gospel, but if we don't live it, what kind of example does that show to the unbelieving world? Well, it shows a hypocrisy. Our actions definitely speak louder than our words. And if our actions don't reflect what we preach, well, then why would anyone believe it? It's time to wake up, Paul says, and rid ourselves completely of the works of darkness that hold us down, those works that hold us back. It's simply time to wake up. And when I think of those words, wake up, time to wake up, always reminds me of a story. See, when I was a younger man, a couple of days ago, when I was a younger man, I joined the Marine Corps. And the first day at Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego, when we arrived, got off the bus, I found myself standing on a parade deck about 3.30 a.m., I think. It was dark. It was morning. And I was standing on these little yellow footprints that they've painted on the, uh, on the ground there so that as you get off the, book, the, off the bus, they tell you to go stand on the footprints and you pick a set of footprints and you stand there until they tell you what to do next. And as we stood there in the early morning darkness for what seemed like an hour or more, waiting for someone to come and tell us what to do in the early morning hours and after a day of traveling by airplane and then bus, disoriented, tired, confused. I started to nod off while I was standing there. And I could feel my eyelids getting heavier and I thought, if I could just close my eyes for just a few minutes... And so I did. And as I stood there with my eyes closed, I began to drift away. And I let my mind wander into that dreamlike state of contentment. Have you been there? 
let me tell you, in that environment, that is a false state of contentment. Because I heard this distant voice pulling me back. Wake up, sleepyhead. It's a soothing voice. In my slumber, I was still content. Wake up, sleepyhead. Nice and sing-songy. Didn't make you want to wake up. Made you want to stay there in that, in that slumber. And as I drifted back into consciousness and opened my eyes, I saw the source of that pleasant sing-songy voice. It's my drill instructor standing right in front of me with the brim of his smoky bear rested on my forehead. And as I looked into his eyes, they flashed red. It was like a demon in a uniform. And the sing-songy quality of his voice changed dramatically. And his teeth gnashed and his, he snarled and he began to bark orders and he railed against me and he said, you better wake up, private. Maybe 50 push-ups will wake you up, private. And so 50 push-ups later, I was wide awake. <laughs> See, I can laugh about it now, but that wake-up was not the most pleasant wake-up I've ever had. And sadly, for those who are caught sleeping when Jesus Christ returns, the wake-up will not be at all pleasant. That's just a biblical reality. God's not trying to frighten you. God's not trying to be the demonic drill instructor in your spiritual life. But a time will come when a choice has to be made. Either you're for the things of God or you're not. There's no gray area. And so we can continue sleeping in our present life. We can slumber away our life locked into the prevailing culture of secular darkness that permeates our society. Or we can wake up. Because now is the time to wake up. Now is the time to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now is the time to wake up and love. As Bobby mentioned during the announcements, uh, I have to tell you, I've seen a lot of love this past week since the storm. I've seen people go out of their way to feed people. I've seen people go out of their way to feed and care for people who are sick people who've lost everything I've seen people do things out of the ordinary above and beyond for people who are grieving so many selfless acts of love from this congregation to this community Those acts of love have filled empty stomachs, but they've also filled empty hearts. 
Those acts of love have dried out homes, but they've also dried up tears. And those acts of love have rushed into the void and replaced hatred and violence and animosity. And in their place, they have filled people with love and peace and hope. And that proves, as the liturgy says, that proves God's love toward us. And if we will but love, all will indeed be right with the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.